Okay, so next up we have Julio, who uh, just submitted uh, his PhD at the Stellenbosch University of South Africa, uh, and research focuses mainly on Levinasian ethics. Uh, Julio is also the Secretary General of the NGO, the Business Ethics Network for Africa. Um, and Julio, when you're ready, um, we didn't get on to discussing what was your favourite animal, um, but <laughs> I would like to know. A cat. A cat. Over uh, to you. Thanks. I'll be presenting today on an aspect of Levinas's work, namely infinite responsibility. Uh, just briefly how the presentation will unfold. Uh, the core of Emmanuel Levinas's argument in totality and infinity is that because the other cannot be faithfully represented without reducing his alterity into a system of totality, I can never fully discharge my moral responsibilities to him. Zygmunt Bauman explains, quote, the ethical demand, unlike the comfortably precise order, is abdominally vague, confused and confusing. It forces the moral self to be her own interpreter and was with all interpreters remain forever unsure of the correctness of interpretation. However radical the interpretation, one can never be fully convinced that it matched the radicality of the demand. I have done this, but could I have not done more, end quote. As such, my responsibility to the other is infinite. However, if I am infinitely responsible to and for the other, what of my and all the other others' demands? Levinas uh, acknowledges this challenge and explains that if the other were, quote, my interlocutor, I would have nothing but obligations. But I don't live in a world in which there's just what one single first comer. There's always a third party in the world. He or she is also my other, my fellow. Hence, it is important to know, for me to know which of the two takes precedence. Must not human beings who are incomparable be compared? Thus, justice here takes precedence over the taking, of, taking upon oneself of the fate of the other. Levinas argues that justice, or the political, is, quote, an incessant correction of the asymmetry of proximity. That is, justice or politics constant, must constantly efface the alterity of the other in order to render the other representable and thus comparable with the third. However, what such an endeavor entails is not something that Levinas develops in any depth. He remarks that, quote, my task does not consist in constructing ethics, I only try to find its meaning, end quote. However, his follow-up remark to this hints at an endorsement of just such an enterprise. Quote, one can without doubt construct an ethics in function of what I have just said, but that is not my own theme, end quote. It is by expanding on the above incessant correction of justice that I hope to offer a way to construct and enact just such a Levinasian ethics. This incessant correction will be described as the provisionality of Levinasian normativity, which says that when representing the other, one should always be aware of other ways of representing the other. Levinasian normativity, as the traversing of the undecidability between ethics and politics, will chart a means to approach infinite responsibility with our ethical subjectivity being, without uh, our ethical subjectivity being annihilated in the process. Uh, in, totality and, in totality and infinity, Levinas argues that the other is exteriority, that is, exterior to all totalizing systems of knowledge and representation that would reduce the alterity of the other to the imperialism of the same. But if this is so, how then can the other and the ethical demands of the other be represented and responded to? 
Adapting Descartes' analysis of the infinite, Lemonas takes the idea of infinity as a model for the representation of the other. The idea of infinity for Levinas is exceptional in that its ideatum surpasses its idea. Otherwise said, the content of the idea of infinity transcends and is exterior to its own concept. Levinas then claims that the other, as transcendent being, as absolutely other, also presents himself as infinity. The other presents himself as, quote, the exceeding of the idea of the other in me, end quote, which Levinas calls face. The other, in a face-to-face -face encounter, presents himself to me as face, which, like infinity, surpasses its own representation. Diane Perpick expands on what this entails. The face, quote, represents the inadequacy of every image to the, art, to the task of representing the other, and as such, paradoxically, represents the impossibility of its own representational activity, end quote. However, Lemnus reminds us, that his aim is not to show that the other forever escapes knowing. As such, I would like to argue that the face should also be understood as representing the alternative of that in an infinite amount of ways, rather than just representing the other as infinity. In other words, the face should be understood not just as a representation of something unrepresentable, infinity, but as something capable of infinite representation. Perpick argues that, quote, infinity on Levinas's view is not a static and completed state, but the infinitely repeated production within being of a break within being that nonetheless accomplishes a being. The idea can quite simply be grasped as follows. I present myself as feminine, but I am neither a fussing homemaker nor a doting mother. That does not mean that I cannot... Uh, that I cannot be a homebody eschewing social engagements, nor that I do not cherish strong familial bonds. I can choose to present my femininity violently, uh, witness professional female boxers and soldiers, while enjoying my car door being opened for me in an old-fashioned way by my partner. Perpick sums up these shifting presentations of the alterity of the other's face. I am this, the face says, but not only this, and even as it refuses representation in one sense, the face demands it in another, end quote. Tying to present its alterity in an infinite amount of ways, the whole of singularity's desire and demand is that it be affirmed, and yet every affirmation of it is the beginning of its betrayal. In other words, each attempted representation of the alterity of the other demands correction and is thus always only a provisional representation. It is the third party to the scene of the face-to-face -face encounter which brings this dynamic into stark relief. Lemonas says that, quote, the revelation of the third party ineluctable in the face is produced only through the face. What the third reveals is that because it is not that there would first be face and then the being it manifests or expresses would concern himself with justice, end quote. Justice must constantly efface the alterity of the other in order to render the other representable, and that's comparable with the third. To be clear, the other is coterminal and contemporaneous with the third in the face-to-face -face encounter. Pretty much like the previous discussion, there is a co-dependency and a co-constitution between the third and the other. Levinas argues that justice is an incessant correction of the asymmetry of proximity, where proximity is, quote, the relationship with the other who cannot be resolved into images or exposed in a theme, end quote. 
Lemonis clarifies that after totality and infinity, we equate justice with ethics, justice is thereafter him something which is a calculation, which is knowledge, and which supposes politics. It is inseparable from the political. Uh, Simon Critchley argues that, quote, politics provides the continual horizon of Levinasian ethics. Another formulation uh, can be found in McMurray et al., where they formulate this idea by saying, politics is the machinery through which the ethical demand can be responded to. Yet another formulation, and a bit more in detail, Jordan refines this even further. Quote, every person I come across is both the other and the third to me. When faced by the other, I can respond politically, seeing the other as my equal between us, uh, seeing as my equal, restricting my responsibility to him, insisting on a reciprocity and equality between us and asserting my rights against his. Or I can respond ethically by being concerned and assuming responsibility for him beyond what is required by our political equality and reciprocity. Do I relate to the other ethically or politically? I am constantly faced with this choice. Following Derrida, I will call this choice an undecidable decision, which in the force of law he describes as, quote, one that is not merely the oscillation between two significations, but the experience of that which, though heterogeneous, foreign to the order of the calculable and the rule, is still obliged to give itself to the impossible decision, end quote. The decision between the ethical and the political is impossible without reducing the alterity of the other and the third, but we must uh, decide and act if we want to be responsible to the other and the third. I will call the traversing of the undecidability between ethics and politics, also the undecidability between the other and the third, Levinasian normativity, which will involve expanding upon Levinas's notion of politics as the incessant correction of the proximity of the other. Um, however, my delineation of Levinasian normativity will be, in the words of uh, Dan Perpik, a normativity without norms. Otherwise stated, uh, Levinasian normativity will comprise a meta-ethical position whose content consists not of any uh, particular norm, but rather delineates the conditions any purported norm should satisfy. To achieve this, I will enlist the work of Preis and Siliers and Wurman and Siliers who use complexity theory complex adaptive systems, um, to develop what they call the provisional imperative. The provisional imperative is a meta-ethical position which states that one should, inter alia, justify your actions only in ways which do not preclude the possibility of revising that justification. Make only those choices which keep the possibility of choice open. And finally, your actions should show a fundamental respect for difference or alterity, even as those actions reduce it. The provisional imperative requires that we justify the norms we use to guide our actions and decisions, because such norms can always be contested by the other. Each undecidable decision contains the tacit acknowledgement that this, the decision could have gone the other way, or can go the other way in the future. This is because the norms that guide us and lead us to that point of undecidability and are contestable and provisional. Wurman and Siliers clarify that while the provisional imperative precludes a, quote, substantive account of ethics, it nevertheless constitu uh, constitutes a type of ethical strategy, similar to Kant's categorical imperative, which urges us to adopt a certain attitude when taking ethical decisions, end quote. While the categorical imperative cannot generate any norms, 
what it does do is provide a test for determining whether any particular norm is ethical or not. That test, of course, is uh, the test of universalizability. Similarly, the provisional imperative cannot generate any particular norms, but only apply the test of provisionality to determine if any one norm is ethical or not. Wurman and Sliers further acknowledge that the basis for the provisional imperative rests upon the contingency of all knowledge. Quote, all knowledge, including self-knowledge, is limited because in order to generate meaning, we need to reduce the complexity through modeling. Our models are radically contingent in time and space because they are the product of the resources at our disposal, the choices that we make and the influences that act upon us. Since all knowledge is contingent, it is also subject to revision and therefore irreducibly provisional." End quote. Adapting the above in order to erect Levinasian themes, I will bypass the technicalities with respect to complexity uh, alluded to and say that knowledge of the other is limited because in order to recognize the other's demand, we need to reduce her alterity through representation. Our representation of the other is radically contingent on our choices or be they the undecidable decisions between responding to the other ethically or politically, for example. Since our knowledge of the other is contingent, it is also subject to revision. Wurman and Sillier's pair the provisional imperative down to its essence. When acting, always remain cognizant of other ways of acting. Uh, Levinasian normativity would reinscribe the imperative uh, as such. When representing the other, always be open to other ways of representing the other. The provisional imperative, reinscribed in Levinasian fashion, thus describes the undecidability between the ethical and the political that which Levinasian normity must traverse. In order to demonstrate how the provisional imperative, as the recursive modality of the face, that is, representation of the alterity of the other, might operate in a Levinasian normativity, I will posit an alternative, though complementary understanding of responsibility, as an ability to respond to the face and demand of the other, a response ability. I want to return to my uh, suggestion above that femininity could encompass uh, homeliness, a lack of maternal longing, uh, a desire for chivalry and violence without contradiction. I offered the example of a female boxer as an illustration of my claim that the face should also be understood as representing the other as um, representing um, the other in an infinite number of ways rather than representing the other as infinity. How this operation proceeds can now be clarified after the delineation of the provisional imperative and my Levinasian inscription thereof. Each representation is provisional because each representation is only one of an infinite amount of ways in which the alterity of the other can be represented. Each representation is contingent on the context of a face-to-face -face encounter. Do I encounter the female boxer for the first time on the canvas of the ring? or stuck by the side of the road with a flat tire. In the one scenario, she is represented as an independent and dangerous opponent, in the other, as a dependent and vulnerable woman. If I meet this other for the first time in the context of a boxing tournament, then I will need to revise my understanding of who she is when I encounter her again at an animal shelter fundraiser. Such an understanding will be provisional still, subject to revision, once more when I encounter her browsing the aisles in the local comic book store. In each subsequent encounter, at the limit, an infinite number of 
encounters, she presents her alterity differently, however nuanced. The provisional imperative drives the incessant correction of her representation. With the representation of the now established to include the representation of the other in an infinite amount of ways, I now want to tie this infinite representation to infinite responsibility. The alterity of the other manifests in the face-to-face -face encounter and summons me to responsibility. The face appears, as Perpec remarks, quote, in the moment of my response to another whom I do not know is there. It consists in a responsibility or response given before I could know myself to be called, end quote. The other summonses me, and my response to that summons creates the face-to-face -face encounter. I now want to claim that because the other can be represented in an infinite number of ways, I will need to respond to the summons of the face in a correspondingly infinite number of ways. My responsibility to the other as an infinite responsibility to the infinite ways in which it can present itself in the face-to-face -face encounter. Responsibility to the other is what leads to responsibility for the other, understood into alia as accountability. So infinite responsibility to infinite representation produces infinite responsibility. However, argues Perpec, this infinite responsibility should not be construed as an innumerable collection of duties. Citing Levinas' statement that Quote, infinity of responsibility denotes not its actual immensity, but a responsibility increasing in the measure that it is assumed. End quote. Perfect takes this to mean that the better I accomplish my obligations, the more demands I find addressed to me. It is not a number, it's not a matter of the actual number of demands increasing, but, but a matter of my sensitivity increasing so that the demands and injustices of which I was formerly unaware now come to press and weigh upon my conscience. In light of my argument, the subject's increasing sensitivity can also be understood as his ability to shift his responses in accordance with the shifting representations of the demands of the other. While the number of demands do not increase, the ways in which the demands can be represented in the face-to-face -face encounter do, at the limit, in an infinite amount of ways. The better I respond to any particular representation of the demand of the other manifested in the face, the more other representations of the demand are offered up to me, which in return requires still further responses. I can never fully discharge my obligations to the other because the obligation can always be represented in one more fashion. Due to time constraints on this presentation, I cannot elaborate on the implications of this claim with respect to the third party, except to note that because the other is the third, these considerations will apply mutatis mutandis to the third. To conclude, the provisional, uh, to conclude, the provisional imperative drives the incessant correction of the representation of the other. And because representation and responsibility are correlated, I can add that the provisional imperative also drives my responsibility to the other. My response to the other is incessantly and infinitely being revised in accordance with how the representation of the other is revised. My responsibility will thus also be revised in accordance with that revised representation and response. The provisional imperative thus operationalizes Levinasian ethics such that infinite responsibility to the other can be attained, however fleetingly, in any one of an infinite number of representations of the other in the face-to-face -face encounter. Thank you. Uh, there's a slide that um, sort of is a, a lovely articulation of the idea I present today. This is from The Verve. <laughs>